0: top of the table that's exciting bottom of the table that's exciting Like that's the sort of football that you want to be in these are the pressure games that in 15-20 years time I will look back on and I will remember these are the important matches
1: for me not the middle table teams subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now the Koi Gig pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury a player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support
0: Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. are very proud of the, the team's performance. Let
2: the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there
3: to beat them, we're going to try
0: and beat them. Hello there and welcome to episode 14 of the Koi Gig podcast, OTV's home of everything Women's Super League, Irish Football and everything in between. I'm Kathleen McNamee and with me is Karen
2: Duggan. Karen, how are you this fine day? Very well, the sun is starting to shine, we had some big games, um, not as... Goals coming from different areas than we would have expected to talk about this week. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And so... it is the week of
0: Valentine's, week of Valentine's love, so we're going to give a lot of love to all our Irish football. We're going to give a lot of love to the WSL, and if anyone is listening to this and not having the week that they planned, hopefully we can be like a little ray of sunshine in the whole thing. <laughs> the Koi Pod and OTV Sports is an association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Coming up a little later, we'll finally get to that Women's National League preview that we were supposed to do, with Kira Grant, but then, of course, she went and moved to Rangers. Ruined so we, yeah, ruined it. But it's fine because we have a great guest this week, the one and only Carly Murphy. And for the last time before the international break, which we will talk a bit more in-depth about next week when there actually aren't any WSL games, we have Emma Carroll, who will have her team of the week. So, Ken, you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier about the week that was in the WSL. So, the best place to start is probably one of the most important games of the weekend, and that was Chelsea versus Arsenal, a sellout clash. I think talking to a few friends who work in journalism beforehand, it was the most amount of journalists I've seen going to a WSL game in general to cover it. And might not have been the goal fest that we've been hoping for but it wasn't disappointing in terms of the excitement and general play
2: no plenty of talking points I think we probably jinxed it a bit previewing it as the the um face-off between the two best strike um partnerships in the league but no it was a kind of a tense affair um but really really high on quality I think both obviously we saw a lot of good play in attack but it was matched by defensive efforts um so I think both sides will be really pleased with how their defences managed it because it, the, goal, the game really ebbed and flowed. I thought that Arsenal started very brightly, but then in the second half, Chelsea completely put them on the back foot. Um, and they stood up to it, to be fair. And they even pushed uh, they had two goal line clearances, I think, in like about the last minute. And then we have had two yeah. penalty controversies. Um, so it certainly gave the journalists plenty of column inches there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I thought it was kind of remarkable that it it's the first WSL like goalless draw between these two teams since 2015 which just shows the epic battles that there have been over the years. Uh, as you said few controversies but I think even like both managers said after the game you know a draw probably was the fairest result neither of them pushed too far it could have been the case where someone would have got a last minute goal with one of the goal line clearances or that Leo Williamson handball that was not spotted could have turned into a penalty and that would have seen Chelsea clear and a 1-0 result for either team possibly would have been fair as well but there's no way that this was the same sort of round beatings that we've seen between the two teams in the past, you know, whether it was Arsenal at the start of the season or some of the scorelines that Chelsea have put past uh, Arsenal in
2: recent times. Yeah, and it's, it's nearly unfortunate that we were kind of talking about refereeing instances because there was such high quality in the game, but when you do have something that looks so blatant on a camera, like that Leah Williamson handball, hands were up. Um, But it's, it was really interesting. They had a discussion on it on Sky Sports and the referee's position is straight on and her body, Leah Williams's body did kind of cover it. And the assistant was on the far side of the pitch. So there was our referee on defending Rebecca Walter's decision. And um, then they got into the conversation about fire and stuff, but that's so far out. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking to Michelle O'Neill about. You needed to get the women full-time professionals before you even get to that step. So a lot of people are calling for that, but it would be harsh to kind of pin the game on, on that one point as well. Um, Yeah, like you said, goal line clearances, a lot of good play. Feisty at times, I think Arsenal's overall count is higher than Chelsea's, kind of showed that Chelsea maybe did push it a little bit more. But I suppose on the balance of things, a draw is a fair result. I'm not sure who will really be happier coming out of it, possibly Chelsea, with that game in hand. Possibly, I was going to say. If
0: if anyone, Chelsea are going to be happier just because they do have that match, they probably know what they have to do and have been in that position a bit more than Arsenal have in recent seasons that's not to discount them I mean we've seen the results that there have been this year (laughs) anything could really happen and that's one of the great things and on the other derby side we also had the Manchester derby Uh, again highest ever crowd for a derby between the two teams and probably one of the closest ones we've seen I think, again, it was unfortunate for United when they come up against these top teams and they hold out for so long and then they just get undone. And it probably shows how far that they have come in recent seasons. That That is how matches are going for them now against big teams like City, Arsenal, Chelsea. But you'd have to feel that they're quite disappointed walking out, especially with the nature of the goal being an exact replica of the one that undid them the year before. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like, honestly, we could have come on this podcast and just talked about the goal for the whole thing because it was, it was disgusting how good it was. Like, it was ridiculous to get with very little backlift, the trajectory she got on it. Um, totally wrong-footing in goal. Um, so yeah, where was the difference and that's just an example of someone coming off the bench and maybe they were disappointed to not start but what an impact that is and yeah United will be disappointed because they were very resolute in defence up to that point Man City dominated possession they dominated the chances and they're coming into such a run of form um, and United are bridging that gap unfortunately now if they look at the league table they're going to really be feeling that heat from City I think it's down to two points between them and um, and City just seemed to be hitting form at the right time.
0: Yeah, if we look at the league table, United are in fourth position on 25 points and then City are in fifth position on 23. So it really is close. And especially with Tottenham winning and the general race for third place, it's disappointing for United that they couldn't get something a little bit more. I did love not to go back to Caroline Weir's goal but I did love when someone showed it to her after the game. I'm not sure if it was like the City Club or if it was one of the journalists and they showed it to her and she watched it back and she was like clearly surprised herself. I think maybe it was one of those things where she kicked it, scored and just started celebrating and she just was like Ooh, that was a little bit naughty wasn't it and I just love that reaction. She clearly had no memory of the goal she had actually no, managed to score. It was It
2: was an audacious effort and it's rightly getting traction on social media and the fact that she'd done it Nearly a year to the day um, previous, United will be so sick that they didn't recognise that she has that in her locker. You could kind of maybe look at United's defence and say, could they have closed her down quicker? But I think it was just magic, and it, it needed something like that from City because they banged on the door and they banged on the door, and United held up. But yeah, it was it was definitely City's day.
0: Yeah, if you don't know Caroline we only scores bangers at this yeah. stage, then what what are you doing in the WSL? Um, Tottenham had a win over Birmingham good for Tottenham who have struggled a bit Birmingham once more they're now seven points adrift at the bottom of the table I think it is it just kind of keeps getting worse and worse for them
2: yeah it does Um, again just kind of simple errors I don't know you look at the way they're playing they play five at the back but oftentimes you just don't see them being tight enough to, to players and I don't know it takes a lot of coaching for those kind of systems to work and yeah again I think Spurs even though they weren't in a great run of form I think they could have won by more and that'll be a great boost for them obviously there were people were starting to talk about just Man United and Man City being the run for that Champions League space but it's great for them to to still be in there but it's looking very bad for Birmingham there's a bit of daylight between them and Leicester Leicester aren't even second from bottom now so yeah mm. it's not looking great for our Birmingham girls unfortunately. Um,
0: yeah, a massive win for Leicester. Um, did incredibly well. 3-0 over West Ham. It's definitely their biggest win, I think, but probably one of their best. Arguably, you could say Birmingham matches as well just because of what they represented in terms of bottom of the table. But I think they're showing more and more that they deserve to be in the league and that they can really contribute to it. And especially if that having this first league under their belt, a bit more investment will come in and they'll be able to grow and grow they've been kind of one of the best surprises for me of the season.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think those bottom games were so important because of just that battle that was commencing. They were a bit tentative, but some of the lesser performances have been really good. And a lot of teams have struggled against West Ham and to put three past them is no mean feat. And, I was really impressed with it was the numbers that they got for. It. They're not playing like a team who are in a relegation battle. They they wanted to keep pushing on, and yes, they caught West Ham on the hop with a quick break, but it really settled them for the game. And I thought that they were they were very very bright and very positive in how they went about the game.
0: Definitely, and I think it shows a lot with how they've changed since Jonathan Morgan left. What Lydia Bedford's done coming in, she I think she's really allowed the team to capitalize on their counter attacking. Something that they've had quite a lot of good success from in the past because they're not the sort of team that are going to consistently be playing up the top part of the pitch and consistently, you know, banging down on doors. They're looking for those little moments. They're looking for those little breaks and anything they do that can improve on that is, I mean it's only going to be better for them Um, a big win for Brighton as well over Reading, who had been on such a run of form in general and Brighton had been, I think they hadn't won a game since like the start of the season. They had lost 11 consecutive games in all competitions. It's been a really tough time for a very good squad and a massive win against a team who are really on an
2: upward track in terms of form. Yeah. And I think they just got back to doing the basics, right? They were very, very dangerous from set pieces. Um, we might talk about it possible shepherd team of the week for Megan Connolly. I thought her deliveries were exceptional. Um, Yeah. A, a blip in form by Reading, but I guess that was bound to come. Like I saw some table on Twitter again, where it showed that they were top of the form table. And whereas Arsenal who are top of the table mm. were, were very much like tenthers or very low on it. So um. It, this, it's so unpredictable this season this WSL season I, I don't think Reading will be overly panicked by this I think they were punching a little bit above their weight for a long time and Brighton were well below what they can deliver and their role is just reversed but I don't think either team will I think Brighton will use this as a, a stepping stone to get back to what they can be um, but I don't think Reading will be despite how comprehensive it was, I don't think they'll, they'll let it dictate how the rest of their season goes no, definitely.
0: And then finally, uh 2-0 loss against Aston Villa for still managerless Everton. I think they're down to 11th now. Against a team like Aston Villa, you thought maybe it's somewhere they could scrape a draw or even a win. I think they've only had three wins since the start of October. So, you know, it, not an impossible game to go to, but yet they still slipped to that 2-0 loss.
2: Yeah. And again, they started the match brightly. It seems to be kind of a theme the last few weeks. they started very brightly, but when they concede... They go back into their boots, and obviously not having a manager, um, that that just seems like a confidence thing. Because you do see in spells that they're they're dangerous. But West Ham were good as well. I think they hit on the break when they needed to, and they controlled the game when they needed to. Um, Everton still came back, but yeah, it, it's it's so weird to see Everton down where they are when we built them up so so much at the start of the season. They have such talent that they signed; it just hasn't clicked. And it's it, someone needs to get what Leicester have into them and just kind of inject that, that confidence and really resilience um, in how to manage games a little bit better. Yeah. I
0: think it's an interesting comparison when you look at this being Leicester's first season in WSL, Everton being such, such stalwarts, And you look at the Everton teams of past who were alongside Arsenal, you know, they were leaders in getting the women's game to the place it is in England. And now that's just not who they have been, especially this season. And you would hope that somewhere along the line, I mean, it's probably the same for the men's team. They haven't done particularly well this season either. So it could just be something that's going on in general in the club. But you would hope that considering that history, and say if Birmingham do go down, it's not a case of next season them suffering a similar fate with oh, looking like Liverpool who probably will come up. Uh, so that will make for some interesting matches in terms of that rivalry. Um, but you would hope that. They can at least pull it around to the point where they are doing a lot better than they are right now. Um, if you have any opinions, suggestions, or thoughts on how the season is going, do you think Everton, if it wasn't for Birmingham, would be in trouble of relegation, or if they extend the relegation, that could also be a thing where teams like Everton will suffer anymore. Please get them into us on Twitter at off the ball using the hashtag OTBcoygeek. It feels like we've only just properly got our team of the week back between international breaks and COVID-enforced breaks for teams. But this is going to be our last one for a little while with the Panadar Cup coming up and Ireland competing in that over the international break. But we still have this week's one. We can enjoy it for everything that it is. Emma, how did you get on with putting together it this week?
1: I'll be honest, it was a little bit difficult. I don't think my Wi-Fi could handle the simultaneous kickoffs. (laughs) because the FA player just kept crashing on me. So you'll probably see that it is slightly skewed to the televised fixtures um, and a lot of Everton, Aston Villa, which I've seen about an hour of before the others started kicking off. Um, And I caught the highlights. So yeah, there's a bit of that going on this week. (laughs) I won't lie.
0: It's okay. I mean, that's what Karen and I are here for, to tick all the holes and give you absolutely (laughs) no sort of space through the fact that the games are impossible to watch when they kick off at the same time. I don't even know if it's your Wi-Fi or just the FA player in general. Whenever there's multiple kickoffs, it's a good resource, but not always the most effective one in the (laughs) world. Um, But who has made your team of the week?
1: I have went with Ellie Robock and Goal, um, Badier, and I went straight in with her Diane Caldwell <laughs> gets the nod in there. Leah Williamson, just about saved by the penalty not being given, got in there. Lucy Bronze, um, I thought her and Jess Park on the left just were brilliant um, link-up plays. So the both of those are in the, in the team. Um, midfield, I went from Lehman Little and Jess, um, Scott, Jill Scott. And then up front, Green, Miedema and Jess Park, as I said.
0: I want to go first to Karen because I feel like you said Williamson and Karen went, (laughs) mmm.
2: No, just, no, I think like both defences, but in terms of moments, I thought that like the likes of Bright was clearing balls off the line, but I actually would have gone for Greenwood from City, because we often talk about Steph Houghton and the effect that she has, but I just thought she was really, really controlled and and set up a lot of the attacks and just brought a a lot of calmness to City's play. But you do have a good few City players in there, and rightly so. Like you say, I think the wings were exceptional for Man City. So, Bronze and Park getting the nod there, they really knew how to get at Man United, um, and they could have scored another uh, few from those. So, I definitely agree with those. Um, Caldwell maybe a bit of bias could she have closed down the shot probably not it was just genius but um, yeah it was very competitive for the defences this week I have to say yeah
0: the other one that I thought could be thrown a shout in there was Ashley Neville even just for her getting forward And I know that's her second goal in two weeks, but I think she has been incredible. I was looking at some of the stats for her, like over the season. And I think she's like in the 90th percentile for expected goals from someone in her position. She has been very robust in a lot of games. And I thought she definitely deserved a little bit of a knock. But I agree. It was a competitive week. Like Caldwell perhaps a little bit of Irish bias there not that we're against it on this podcast no definitely not obviously. it's still, it's still <laughs> yeah.
2: great to see her she's doing so well like I don't know did yeah. we expect her to get straight into the team in the way she has but she doesn't look out of place at all and I thought she that was just shows it. what a professional she is that she can slot into a team like Man United so seamlessly
1: yeah I thought she'd she done a really good job of keeping Ellen White quiet throughout the game um, and yeah, there's a couple of challenges that she was probably maybe lucky to still be on the field and not get a second yellow at one stage. But um, yeah, committed just challenges. It, with exactly, them. committed <laughs> challenges. We um, like a
0: robust player on the yeah. Irish. team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have to have them. Um, I thought Jill Scott was brilliant for Aston Villa at the weekend as well. And like, yeah, yeah, she's it, it's, it's going to be very tough
2: for her. But I think that she's going to be hugely important for them. She just, again, so much experience that she brings. Um, she was a proper just box to box, broke up a play. I think that set off the, to one of the goals. And again, she was doing Mazies in the box as well, which you don't really expect as well. But I thought she had, uh, she was the kind of whole midfielder in that game.
1: Yeah, how she managed to keep the ball in play to get the assist for the goal as well was unreal. I think she's probably going to have a lot of work on her hands to get into that Euro squad, uh, which is obviously why she has gone out on loan, but it worked for her last year to get into the GB one. So maybe if she keeps putting in performances like that one, she she might squeeze a spot in there as well. Um, I thought Midima as well, playing a little bit deeper. I think she found so much space and... Um, yeah, you can start to see a little bit of a partnership and what that partnership and maybe new um, formation could do with Black Stenius as well. I thought that was really exciting to see. We didn't get the goal that we anticipated in that game, but um, I don't know how Miedemann didn't score. I think she hit the post twice as well. So, um, yeah, I thought it's a really interesting position to see her playing in.
2: Yeah, the only other one I could kind of argue with was maybe Hampton in, in Villa goal just because of how brightly Everton started and keeping a clean sheet was obviously going to be so important for Villa in that game so just to give her a nod because I thought she she did really well and it could have been a completely different story that she not made those early saves but other than that it's hard to argue maybe Flint for Leicester just yeah, she was my... more Leicester players in because of what a big win it was and she was just an absolute nuisance to Not only got the goal, but she was involved in the third one. And yeah, she was just putting herself about and uh, really kind of occupied the defenders, um, which was great. Helped set other players off. So give her a shout out there as well.
1: Definitely worth the honourable mention. All right, she was Mm -hmm. on that, the sub bench.
0: I was sitting here just nodding as like Karen was talking, and I feel like I've just agreed with everything that Karen <laughs> suggested. I've been like, "Emma, I think you were wrong, but Karen." <laughs> 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 <Excellent>. Thanks <laughs> for the
2: <this> support. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but in general, like there were very few things. Again, I had Jess Park as well on my list before you sent them through. I just kind of like note down people that I think might be good. I thought she was excellent. Uh, Kim Little was also on mine. There was that one moment where she was in midfield and she was just like dancing around the Chelsea players and it was like no matter what player went near her they just could not get the ball off her and I think it was so reminiscent of just who Kim Little is as a player um I mean incredible skill and to still be going at the rate she is at the age she is is very impressive Emma thank you for giving us your team of the week if you have any opinions suggestions thoughts or comments on the selection did we miss something terrible i'm still waiting for the day where someone like really goes in on us and is like cannot (laughs) believe you haven't mentioned xyz player for like the entirety of the season they've been incredible and we will accept it and we will discuss it and we will probably admit that we were wrong and please do get your thoughts and opinions into us on twitter at off the ball using the hashtag otb so as I said earlier in the pod a couple of weeks ago, you may have heard us plug a WNL season preview we were going to do at Kira Grant. And then with knowing when we had set it up to her that she was probably going to Rangers in the meantime. She went inside for a club, but of course we're very happy for Kira and we had a great chat with her about that move to Rangers, which you can catch on the OTB app. But with the season fast approaching, we still wanted to talk a bit more about the Women's National League and we figured it was a great time to roll out one of the experts of the league and that is Wexford Youth's Kylie Murphy. Kylie, thank you so much for joining us. We will get to a bit of a preview about the Women's National League, but it'd be great to start it all off with just talking to you about your career and when I say stalwart you are one of the people in the league who have been, has seen it go through all sorts of changes. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show. How are things with you?
3: Yeah, good. Thanks for asking. I was delighted to, to come on. Um, things are great as always that of every year getting ready to, to prep for the
0: year ahead. Yeah, well it must be exciting going into the prep for this season considering how successful your previous season was, uh, especially for you personally. I mean, personality of the year, second highest goal scorer. It was a lot of exciting things happening. To bring it back a little bit, and we will get into all that because we love telling people how great they are in this podcast and they've done great things like that. Um, You've been with Wexford Youth for a long time. And for someone who maybe hasn't followed the Women's National League or is only getting invested in it, will you tell us a little bit about your career and how you got started with the team?
3: Um, Yeah. Uh, So I joined, obviously, in the inaugural season um, when the Women's National League was being formed. Um, I mean, the the hopes and aspirations in the very first year were were amazing. It unfortunately didn't... uh, it didn't go the way it was planned, I don't think. It took an awful dip in the middle and kind of stopped for a little while growing. But the last couple of years have been, they've been really exciting. And, you know, it's, it's onwards and upwards and it's, it's growing day by day. And we just need to keep, keep moving forward now. I asked you that question
0: and Karen disappeared straight away off the Zoom so <laughs>
1: clearly uh, she is
0: already <laughs> being affected by the Wexford and B-Mount
2: rivalry running, of... running scared I actually did miss that sorry my internet tends to give up at about half five like me it works nine to five or something like that
0: <laughs> it's good
2: to know that it
0: wasn't just the general rivalry that had well, that's rather... the line I'm sticking
2: with anyway, anyway.
0: <laughs> um, and you said there probably about the that when the league started, it had all these great hopes and aspirations and maybe it didn't necessarily live up to them. For you as a player who has been in the league since tw- that first few years, how has it been to like keep consistently invested in it as a player and uh, like in your team? Because I imagine it must be hard when you're promised all these things and then you come out the other side and it maybe takes the 10 years to get to where we are now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it definitely hasn't been easy, but I mean, like everything, there's there's ups and downs. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, myself and and Karen, obviously we won't see probably the benefit of what's after happening in the last 10 years where we you know, but I'd like to think that we've some sort of a part to play in it for the, the youth of today coming through.
2: Oh what I would say for yourself with Wexford, so he came into the league and I think he maybe came fourth in the first season, but not really competing. But year on year, he improved and he upped your standards. Um, so at least the clubs were doing that, even if maybe the league itself wasn't keeping up. And you can see that now that the clubs are at a higher level um, and the league will hopefully start to keep up with that. Obviously, we're getting more investment and more interest from the TG Cahir deal and stuff. But for a long time, it was the clubs. And I think Wexford kind of have been a club that would say have really, really improved as the years has gone on, both in terms of developing players and recruiting players and just keeping to a certain standard. Like even the couple of years, you didn't win anything. In recent times, you're there, thereabouts. What is it kind of down in Wexford that you've done, would you say, that has Indifference difference to what other teams have?
3: I mean, I'm not sure what what other teams are doing or other clubs are doing, but I suppose with us, it's just, you know, every year when we get to the the start of the year, we set a goal or we set barriers or whatever it is. And and we just, it's it's so important that we have to keep moving through them and keep gaining and, and, and reaching and getting better. And in the last couple of years, like, We've we've grown and we've done really well, but like there's no hiding the fact that it was a it was a really big struggle for a very long time. And um, even to, I suppose just to try and get a, a women's committee formed, you know. But in the last couple of years, there's some exceptionally brilliant people have come in and given so much time and and energy to the club and to us. And and like I, I feel like we've we've really made a huge push in the last couple of years as a club. So. And structure-wise, and things like that, we never had any underage, any any underage teams coming through. You know, you can see the likes of Peema and the likes of Shells. They've all underage players coming through. They're associated with the club. They're signed to the club. They've played underage. And kind of just trying to pull and pull players out of anywhere, you know. But um, the the guys have done so so much work. It's it's just exceptional. But I suppose it's just never wanting to let that bar drop. It's keep moving forward. And you know, I'd say the committee are probably they're sick to the me at this stage because I just. I probably just, I want and want and push and push for more and more and I'm probably happy to an extent but never happy, you know, and you can see their faces when I'm coming and I'm just like, ah, I just, <laughs> they're, they're, oh God, what does she want now? But, I mean, they're so, they're open and approachable and they know it's not me looking, they know it's, it's it's, it's us looking for better and us looking to be, because ideally, the, 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 the plan is and the, the want is to be the best club and to be, do you know, to, for other younger kids coming through or other teams or other girls to look and be like, Jesus, Wexford is, is legit. Like, it's it's a good club and they have a good team and the structure and the facilities and they're really looked after well because those type of things matter now. And I mean, I only had a, a conversation with the boys the other day. Like, it's literally like trying to sign players is literally like trying to pull teeth these days. They look, you know, years ago, if a club wanted you, you just, you were so honoured that the club wanted you. Whereas nowadays
2: these kids coming through <laughs> they're looking yeah, at they've it. got chances and they ask a lot of questions and they have a lot yeah. of more demands than we did I was the same I think I got a text from my friend Julianne that she had got a text from Eileen Gleason being like do you want to sign and I was like yeah grand yeah, you know, crazy no more yeah. tears <laughs> so yeah like I
3: mean then, then things are so they're so important now and the structures of clubs and girls are looking beyond just playing in the National League and things like that so yeah I, I'm sorry I probably ramble on there for a long time but yeah it's just probably setting a bar and and not not being okay with it being learned no
0: not at all you have like such amazing insight I don't think any of that was rambling at all and <laughs> um, to that point you say that you're at the Wexford committee a lot and they probably are sick and tired of seeing you coming part of that is probably as well, because you've been with the club for so long, you know, you know, what's needed m- as much as anyone else, you know, what it's been like playing season in season out. Why did you stick with Wexford for the length of your women's national league career? I know you said that it's, it's almost harder to get players to sign now because they do have more options, but considering your career, I presume you did have options at some stage because you are a very good player,
3: <laughs> I don't know about that but um I suppose with Wexford it's just honestly it's probably cliche as it sounds it's just in my heart i I could never see myself putting on another jersey whether whether offers came or they didn't you know it's just I genuinely I would live and die for that club and I love the I love the structure I love the I love the committee I love the girls just everything about it I just I genuinely I'm, I'm really obsessed with it
2: yeah and I'd say they obviously want to keep you involved, you probably don't like when people say it, but you're going to keep going for a number of years. Do you get annoyed when people are like, Oh, will you go into coaching, or is it something you will do or you've thought about and staying with Wexford in that capacity when you do hang up your boots? Um,
3: yeah, no, I'm getting asked a lot lately. I don't know why.
2: (laughs) Don't worry, me too. Loads of time left,
3: (laughs) but um you know, the coaching, the coaching side of things, it's something I, I get asked it an awful lot, but it's honestly right now, it's something that I, I honestly don't really see myself doing. And um, just, it, it really doesn't appeal to me. And I think that coaches and managers out there and volunteers that are given all their time, I mean, hats off to them because it's a difficult job. And I often like would look at any of the managers that have come through extra duties and like even to be dealing with a player like me, because like, I'm constantly like, I, I just, I won't settle for less than what we deserve and things like that. It's, it's a tough job. So for, for me personally, right now, coaching, no, I, I don't think it'd be for me, but without a shadow of a doubt, I, I would never not be able to give back to extra Dukes because what they've given me is, is so much more beyond being a soccer player and playing in the National League, you know, so and the people I've met. So I will, I will definitely some in
0: some aspects, I will without a shadow of it, I'll be given back to them you talk a lot uh, just in some of the interviews that I've read with you before, and i you've mentioned it a couple of times there about how you're always looking for the the next thing that you can push on or you're always you're happy with the achievements you've had, but there's always that little part of you as well that's like, oh, but what more can I do or how more can I push it? Do you think like how pivotal how pivotal has that? frame of mind been for you in your career in terms of pushing yourself to the many great seasons that you have had
3: um I'm not I'm not sure I suppose maybe it's just what's in me I just I I want to be personally as a player the best that I can be and you know it's 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 my job as a as a teammate and as a captain to be the very best I can be and and I very much so expect that from my teammates as well. So, I mean, that's the only way we can we can move forward and you know be the most successful team or be the most successful club or whatever it takes. It, it just it literally takes everything. But I personally want to give well over a hundred percent for for the team. Well,
2: Karen, you go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say like, like it's just like you've had to change your role in the team as well. Obviously, we, the top teams are starting to lose teams. The WSL, you would have lost Rihanna and that kind of left a big void. She was player of the year two years in a row and you kind of stepped into that striker role and you were just behind Anya for Golden Boot last year. Um, it's, that just kind of shows your intelligence as a player. Um, but did you find that transition difficult or was it just, again, this is what I need to do for the team and it, it just happened to work out?
3: Uh, yeah, well, at the start, I honestly, I thought, I thought the guys were winding me up. I really did. No <laughs> joking, because we often talk about me going back the way, obviously, the older you're getting, they were telling me to go going soon. I, I honestly thought they were messing, but um, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely embraced it. For me, I'm definitely that type of person, and it's the same with this season coming. People are asking, am I going to be playing up there? Honestly, I don't know. If I have to play there, I'll play there. If I have to be a defender, I'll be a defender. I don't know how much good I'll be, but. I'm genuinely just really happy to be in the starting eleven, and um, so I'll do whatever I need to do to, for the team. But um, I I enjoyed it. I really did. I the first couple of months were a bit hard, and it was, it was it's very very different from playing centre midfield. You know, you I found it very, very um I suppose when you're in midfield you're kind of you're involved in an awful lot, whereas I just kind of found it hard. I kept nearly coming back in too deep. But mm. um, to be fair to the boys, like they put in a serious amount of work with me, and you know it's just getting up to train and. Early before training sessions and working on striking, finishing things like that, I suppose, that strikers do because,
2: yeah, just one, cap- of one of the best team goals I've seen. Obviously, in that cup final, um, you said yourself he you kind of only showed up in the second half, but. That was a, a bit of a warning shot, I think, to the rest of us for this upcoming season. I think that you really showed what you can do in that second half because um, there obviously had been a lot of talk about it ourselves and Shelburne in the lead-up to that because we were the two going for the the league. But um, it was obvious that you were still working away in the background um, as a team. And I think, yeah, uh, certainly would be no one underestimating you after that second-half performance in the final and that goal that in particular you scored.
3: Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a really good team goal and, you know, it's, 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 it's so important to try and be, be doing that throughout the year. You know yourself, there's so much training, so much work goes into it. So when, when something from the training ground comes out out, and especially on a day like that, like it's just, it was incredible. But, um, yeah, I honestly, to be completely honest about it, I really don't think that we get enough credit in the league. You know, an awful lot of talk is about Shells and Pemount and rightly so, because they're two phenomenal teams, but, um we're there as well like you know so I suppose that's a little bit of a little bit of an niche with us that we're always just just fighting and it's, it's the same goes to the last day of the season you know we had a bit of a bit of a laugh up at the National League launch with um with the girls you know about obviously fucking Galway scoring and we didn't know what was going on in the crowds and I had a bit of a crack with Parlo, she was saying about will you just stop will you just stop for us and, and, and for Wexford like it wasn't about whether Shells or P-Mount won the league. It was about how high we could finish, you know. So whether the result mattered or not, we weren't going to stop. And look, I mean, that day, like, we defended didn't in goal. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, we were on our, on our feet. It was what it was. But, I mean, in a matter of a split second, like, that whole, it could have been completely different. And peace could have been lifting the trophy, you know. So, But for us, it's just, it's always about finishing as high as we can finish. Why do you think it is that maybe team or people
0: in general haven't given Wexford the same amount of credit that they'll give teams like Shells and Pumeant?
3: Honestly, I really don't know. I'm I'm I do be flabbergasted as as at, at a lot of the times, but um I mean, do you know, we've we've been there battling and it took us maybe 3 years to win our first trophy and and ever then we've been like literally, do you know, we've won Trebles, we've been in so many Cups, do you know, four National League titles. We've done, we've done relatively well for a team that was put into it in the first year. We were literally, we were, the things they said about us in the newspaper was just shocking, do you know, we were just the butt of the league. And, you know, I think we've, we've done relatively well, but I, I can't answer that, unfortunately. I don't know why, why we're not, do you know, I suppose, pitted up there with the likes of Shells and Maps.
2: I actually think it just has a lot to do with individuals like obviously things that go on Twitter individual clips but I think Wexford will always be known as that kind of collective team very difficult to beat Um, so I think that that has a lot to do with it I don't think people underestimate Wexford by any means you wouldn't if you were in the league but I just think in terms of the things that grab people's attention are always individual brilliances and obviously we've seen a good bit of that from Ellen Malloy from yourselves but I think it is just all up, there's an international on this team and they get bigged up, and, and this and the other but I know from my point of view there's and especially haven't seen the second half of the cup final there's no underestimating Maxford this year in the league
3: oh well I appreciate that Karen hopefully we do go do something
0: about it I hope I'm
2: completely wrong but look.
3: Carrie's just been watching that second half on a loop during her pre-season training.
0: No, the,
2: whole, <laughs> the whole last two weeks of that league have scared me like, I'm, <laughs> like I don't want to be yeah. anymore.
3: I genuinely, I, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I I, I just, how you must have felt that night or the next day or for a
2: week. Well, I so. went and lost a county final the next day so that was grand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: doesn't thing. like to do these things by half in any shape or no. form. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do a separate pod someday, just purely on... And my trauma. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get a sports psychologist in and we'll, <laughs> we'll work through it with you. <laughs> um, kind of looking at yourself, like Karen mentioned there about internationals coming from certain teams and stuff. Is that something that's ever played on your mind, the fact that you didn't get that call up and get a cap
3: for Ireland? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is definitely. um. But again, it's something that it's just it's something that I can't control. I mean, I can't pick myself, and it's completely up to obviously the managers that have come and gone. And unfortunately, I just obviously they just don't see anything in me. And you know what I mean? That's okay because everybody everybody has different opinions, and you know yourself, you watching a team, you have different opinions on different players, and that's okay. Like, but from my point of view, I I can't do any more. You know what I mean? I've, I've I've given everything that I can give, and and it's not. I don't I don't go do it to hopefully get an international call up someday. I do it for Wexford and I wanna be the very best I can be for them and I mean maybe it just wasn't meant
2: to be. I think it was unfortunate as well in terms of time. And so you were probably hitting your peak when Colin Bell was in there and he was very much focused on under 17s and blood and new people like that and telling everyone to go professional. Whereas I suppose at your stage of your career, you were probably not going to uproot your whole life to go professional to prove a point to maybe get a cap. And obviously a lot of under 17s were brought in at that time. Um, so I think that that was probably unfortunate as well. Like it, People don't realise that some of it is down to luck.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and you know exactly like you said, timing and things like that. It just, it just obviously wasn't meant to be, or maybe the timing just wasn't right. But I mean, I, I, it's something that yeah, maybe you know, a little piece of me say I never, I never achieved that. But I mean, I'm, I'm really not going to complain over what I have achieved and haven't because you know I'm, I'm so lucky to be part of a club like Wexford and and be successful. Do you think in a way it also allowed you to?
0: become the stalwart in the league that you have in the sense say we look at a player like Kim Little with Arsenal like she gave up her Scotland career as she got to the latter ends of it so that she could fully focus on her Arsenal career and like extend that even longer past when maybe some people would have expected her to retire do you think being able to have that focus on Wexford over the years and nothing else outside of that gave you a a different flair in the league Maybe, maybe
3: not. I'm not too sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair enough. can't be comparing me to Kim Litton. That's going to be too bad. I thought you might like that one. It just like, came to my head there. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the heading into the season and like where Wexford's down, as Karen has already said, I mean, you had that brilliant half in the cup final. What's the feeling around the camp at the moment? What's the aim? You said that, you know, at the end of the last season, you were looking at how high can you finish in the table, but what what is the thing that's on the back of the door that everyone looks at before they head out onto the training pitch, saying that's going to be us this time or in a year's time?
3: Well, it's, it's the National League. That's that's the, the big one. That's what everybody aims for. It's the one that gives you Champions League soccer, so... I mean that's where, where, where we want to be at um, I suppose getting a, a lot closer to the likes of shells and peas and I think, I think there's going to be I think Galway are going to make huge strides this year as well yeah, um, I, I think they're definitely going to break that bridge of the, the kind of tree that are kind of pulling away
2: yeah, I think we've been expecting that for a while and it just hasn't yeah. happened. But based on kind of players that they've signed and youth coming through, they're definitely ones not to be um, scoffed at. And I think we'll obviously be very wary of them having I been know. thanked by them at the end of the season, but they're definitely going to be talked about too, yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, there's it's just, just, just so much soccer to be played. It's it's crazy. So, but yeah, look, it's it's literally the start of every year to pick up as much silverware as you can.
0: And do you think that the team I know this is something that you've talked about recently is the fact that, you know, a lot of different women's national te- teams are losing players to maybe going professional or going to different leagues. How has that left you? Do you feel? like, Karen, something you've mentioned a couple of times in podcasts as well, like the fact that peas are losing players to various different places. How are you feeling in terms of just how the team is set up going into the season?
3: Yeah, and um, we're okay. I think um, the likes of like I know they like you lost some in, like incredible players this year, Karen. It was, it was yeah. like like us losing Rihanna was was absolutely massive. It nearly took us two seasons to get back back to where we wanted to be. Like, and that's losing one player. Like, whereas the likes of Pima you know, are losing the, the amount of players Shelburne have lost. In the last probably two months, I'm obviously delighted. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's hard for a team to I suppose keep pushing and they're gonna play play Champions League this year, do you know? So it's um yeah, it's it's, it's quite hard. I mean, I'm after losing my train of thought there now.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's like people don't really recognize that it's always going to go in cycles, like you're not going to have one team dominating because you are producing these players and they're obviously looking to make that next step. Um, So it's never going to be five years in a row, maybe like it was in Scotland, one team winning. I think you're always going to see that kind of ebb and flow. We've seen that when Mount, Rahini, Wexford shells back to Wexford to Piedmont and so like yeah. that's why it is a bit unpredictable and it, it's very hard for us to kind of sit here and say yeah it'll be the same as last year it'll be the top three because there has been a lot of attrition and, and things like that amongst us yeah. all i think for wexford you have very good young kind of crop of players coming through so i think you'll be very very strong this year but then in two years time when they're finished they're leaving certain things like that you can't really tell where they're going to be so um i suppose it's just about making the most of what you have and and yeah. kind of planning for the future as well keep bringing up the you
3: yeah, absolutely, exactly, Karen. That's exactly what it is. You know what? Like you said, we're going to feel feel the pinch when those girls do their leaving, and we're, we are going to lose them, unfortunately, um, because they're just they're incredible players, and they deserve, they deserve to be playing full time. They should be. You know what? They should be. They should be reaching the the highest of heights that they can get to. So, I mean, thankfully, it's not right now. <laughs> <which> is, <laughs> I mean, I'm i very thankful for that. But um, yeah, it's 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 inevitably going to come around. But like you said, just keep filtering through now and for us I mean the academy starting and the 17s and 19s are getting a bit stronger and things like that so it's just it's just going to keep happening I always enjoy asking
0: players from teams this question because I think you get such a different insight into a team because you're watching everyone train every single week you know you're doing your bonding whatever it is you know what people have put in but who on the Wexford team, should people listening to this podcast be looking out for this season? Who is someone that you think well, it could be one of the younger players? It could be one of the older ones that are is maybe showing something exciting, but who should people be looking out for at Wexford this season?
3: and
2: um, you can say yourself as well if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I can answer this. Having just lost Becky Watkins to Wexford, yeah. I think you should definitely be looking out for that name from my point of view. And defenders obviously don't get a lot of praise, but Learned where I think has been one of the best in the league. Um, so maybe the two I'd be picking for ye. Um, you probably have another few, obviously, a better insight, but from an external perspective, I think they're two fantastic talents.
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, absolutely. And I mean, just there's, there's just so many good young players there now. Obviously, I'm. I've, you've obviously probably seen the best of, of Becky Karen, but um, she's only been in a couple of sessions now at the moment, and she's gone away, gone away to camp now. But um, I'm I'm really excited about Becky. I'm really excited about her getting game time and seeing what she's like and what she's made of. But I have seen her in one or two sessions, and I've been very very impressed. Um, and then, like obviously, you have the likes of Lauren, who's who's in, she's just incredible. Um, and then like, I think with Della Daugherty after getting a, a full season under her belt, she's going she's gonna to come too as well. And the likes of Ellen and Aileen in there, like it's just, they're just incredible. Like, I mean, you'd, you'd be in bits trying to train with them. I just can't even, <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Like they're just, they don't, they don't realise how good they are, but um, it's, it's, it's really exciting. There's, I, there's so many, I can't, I can't just pick one or two. There's so many that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year.
0: And what else do you think people can expect from the league this season? I mean, we've talked about the fact that there's shells, Piedmont, Wexford, for Galway are going to do a good season. You also Rovers coming in, a new team. What what are going to be the big talking points? Do you think of this season?
3: Um, I think definitely the Galway Galway bridging that gap. I think I do think they're going to be they're going to be very good. Like they're very they're extremely hard to beat anyway. But I think you know they've added an extra bit of flair there after signing Jenna Slattery as well she's she's very very skillful she's powerful on the ball as well so she'll she'll definitely add massively to them Um, I just I hope it's I hope it's I hope it's more competitive through 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 all the ranks you know what I mean I hope it's not just that top three or four or whatever it is I just hope it's really really competitive and I feel like it has been in the last couple of years they used to always be, you know, the for all the world, it's terrible it's to say, but like the lower kind of teams, but that's that's not there anymore. You know, you're not going out and hammering teams seven and eight nil anymore. So there's no, I genuinely, after seeing last season, for me, there's actually no easy game in the women's national league anymore, which is I think is really good.
0: No, definitely. Well, I think you look at the way the season ended, <laughs> I mean, the, the massive excitement that that got carried. <laughs> The massive excitement that that caused in and of itself was an example of where the league is going and what it can offer. And the fact that we can all watch it so easily now compared to previous years makes it all the better. Um, Kylie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was great to talk to you and best of luck with the season.
3: Thanks so for having me on. <laughs> yeah
0: and that's all from myself Karen and Emma this week the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports is in association with Cabri FC official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team we will be back next Tuesday for a very special Sligo Rovers edition that I had absolutely no hand (laughs) in creating at all Uh, but we will be talking not just about how great Sligo is as a county but actually looking at what it takes to set up a women's national league team in this current environment so we will have Emma Hansbury and CEO Colin Feely then see you next week
1: the koi gig pod and otv sports in association with cadbury a player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support